Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 5. We'll read verses 1 through 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you this morning for the opportunity, the grace that you've given each and every one of us to sit in your presence, to sit at your feet that we might hear your words. Father God, I am greatly humbled, Lord, that you have chosen to use a vessel like myself, Father, to preach the infallible and everlasting truth of the word of God. Father God, may I speak only what you would have me to speak. Father, will you speak to us exactly what you want us to hear this morning? Father God, we stand before you, Father, anxious to hear a word from you, anxious not only to hear, but to be transformed. We want to be transformed by the Holy Ghost. We thank you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are in the second part of our series. We began a series last week called Mission Impossible. Uh, our subtitle is that what's impossible with men is possible with God. Amen. And so last week we talked about the mission of Jesus and how that it was his primary goal was to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, how do we know that is also our responsibility as well? So if you didn't get the tape or if you haven't been able to, to hear that message, you can go online, you can, you can check it out. It's already uploaded. Uh, today, we're going to talk about his message, the message of Jesus. This is critically important because many of you know that there are so many messages in the world today, right? There are all kinds of messages how do you know a lot of times what's what? Even within the context of church sometimes, you can get the wrong message. And so messaging is important. And understanding Jesus and what he expects of us is paramount and tantamount to us being able to affect change in our generation. Uh, I want to kind of give you a backdrop of what we're going to be getting into today. Um, first, I want to start with this. Jesus launched his ministry, we believe, by somewhere around the age of 30 years old. 
Uh, his ministry has spanned about three years. Um, and during that time, around the time of 30 years old, uh, Jesus began to uh, prepare himself to launch uh, his ministry publicly. He began to assemble together a team of disciples. Uh, he was baptized, some of you remember, by John the Baptist. John the Baptist was really kind of the forerunner, if you will. He was kind of warning people to repent. He was paving the way for the Messiah to come. And so Jesus now is preparing for his ministry. Uh, he's been baptized and he's getting ready to, to make his imprint on the world. And he launches out with the Sermon on the Mount. Many of the theologians and I happen to believe that the Sermon on the Mount was his real first sermon. And uh, if you grew up in the Baptist church, they oftentimes, they would use the phraseology, a trial sermon. How do you know what I'm talking about? Amen. When somebody was a, a new preacher, they would say, okay, this is your trial sermon. So in context and in words, we can kind of understand, this was Jesus' really first big sermon. This was kind of like his coming out. Now, I want to, let's talk about the atmosphere for a moment. Because before Jesus lands on the scene, uh, you know, the Pharisees, they, they were kind of like the religious leaders. And they were oftentimes, they were self-righteous. Uh, oftentimes, they would lay heavy burdens on people that they themselves would not even touch. Uh, the system was a system of, it was very, very legalistic. People oftentimes, they couldn't even walk up to them. Anybody just couldn't walk up and touch a Pharisee. I mean, because they really believed that they had a certain inroad to God that nobody else had. And so there was an atmosphere of hopelessness, an atmosphere that, that you know, I never really quite measure up. You know, I, you know I, I'm trying, and, and I just hope that at the end of the day, like some people we talk to today, you, you talk to them about faith in Jesus Christ, they'll tell you a lot of times, well, I just hope that God will outweigh my good and my bad, and I hope that I can somehow get in. I even know that that ain't the way the Christians live. Uh, you know, Jesus came to give us assurance of our salvation that we might know. And so Jesus now is launching his ministry. They keep in mind of the atmosphere and, and what the people, their mindset at that particular time. And so Jesus springs on the scene and he begins to preach words that people never heard before. They were words of joy. They were words of optimism. They were words of peace. There were words that gave hope to people. In fact, the Bible says that after Jesus preached this sermon, and it, and it spans about three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, that the people at the end of that, of that sermon, they, was, they said, we have never heard a man preach with such authority. We never heard words like that. And I think that sometimes what happens is, as the people of God, that, you know, we read the book, we read the Bible, and how many know that sometimes we read it over and over again, and I think that if we're not careful, we can miss uh, the attitude. We, we can miss what was really happening in that time and what was the mindset of the people and what they heard. Because what they heard was something that was simply profound. This is the same message that we have today. And so Jesus, he launches out. And he began to preach the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we cannot cover uh, all of the Sermon on the Mount because, it's, like I said, it's about uh, three chapters long in the Gospel of Matthew. But we're going to look at what we call, uh, what is commonly called the Beatitudes. How many of you have ever heard of those? 
They're beatitudes because, because before each one of the phrases, uh, the word is, it starts with blessed. And they really spotlight attitudes that all of us should have as believers. And so the beatitude is more descriptive first than it is prescriptive. And, and what I mean by that is the beatitude describe us who are born again children of the living God, our character and who we are. Prescriptive in the way that it calls out and it identifies to the outside world what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And so as we look at this, at this particular, uh, at the Beatitudes, I want you to, and this is, this is very important, I want you to take the journey with me this morning. And I, I really tried to do this when I was studying uh, yesterday. But I want you to act as though, I know this will be hard because y'all read y'all Bibles like every day, right? Amen. 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 This will be hard, but watch this. I want you to act as though you're hearing this sermon for the very first time. All right? Keep in mind the, what we talked about, what the people were used to hearing before Jesus came. Now, this is your first time hearing these words. There was hopelessness. There was doubt. There was unbelief. There was no assurance of salvation. All of that. It was an atmosphere. Uh, it was legalistic. It was everything that was negative. And now Jesus steps on the scene. Now, watch what he says. He says this, the first thing. Bless are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those that recognize their need for God. How I many you know what I'm talking about? The poor in spirit are those who have come to recognize and realize that without God, they can do nothing. In fact, it's amazing because I heard of a, how I many, there's a well-known comedian named, uh, uh, Bill Maher. You ever heard of him? He's, he's an atheist. I mean, he's always anti-Christian. And one of the things he said was that Christianity, Christianity was for weak people. He said they have a neurological disorder and they only find their strength in numbers. This is what he said about believers, about, about Christians. And I would, submit, I, I would submit to you that there's a lot of other people that actually think that way. But before one can really come to Christ, they got to recognize that they're destitute. They got to recognize that, that I need, there's something that is better for me. I need to come to the place where I realize that I really need God and that I can't live without him. How do you believe that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the second one he says? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now remember, this is your first time hearing this. Y'all understand that, right? Amen. Blessed are those that mourn, they shall be comforted. How many know that nobody is exempt from mourning? As Christians, we experience the loss of those that we love. We mourn over sin. We mourn over all the things that we see today. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In fact, turn real quick with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. How many know that it's a difference between sorrow without hope and sorrow with hope? 
as the people of God, we never ever saw, you know, I've lost people that have been very close to me. But I never, I never complete like lose it. You know what I'm saying? As a people of God, if I know that you're right with God and you're saved, how I many know you're in a much better place? And I believe that. So, so, so I know that I'm going to see you again. Amen. Blessed. He says, watch, watch, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep and died, lest you sorrows at others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how do we believe he died and rose again? Even so, God will bring with him those who have slept or died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with these words so if you're, if you're in some kind of a morning or you're dealing with that understand something Jesus says you shall be comforted blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth I mean no God says in his word that he resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. The word meek means one who is gentle, one that is humble. The Bible says the meek, not the, not the, the rich and powerful and those who think that they don't need God, not those will inherit the earth. He said the meek, which he is telegraphing something, that Christians are supposed to be what? Meek. Many people look at meekness as weakness, but having no meekness is not weakness. As I call to your remembrance, Jesus was very, very meek, was he not? Amen. How many of you think that Jesus was weak? Uh, no, nah, Jesus, he wasn't weak. As you recall, he, he, told, he told the folks back in that day, he says, nobody can take my life, I lay it down. You have no power over me unless it was given from you above. You, you, you have no authority. I lay my own life down. Jesus was, was very, very strong. Because he loved all the way to death. And thank God that he loved to death. But the people of God ought to be meek. They ought to be humble. Because the Bible says God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the who? The humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So then, as a Christian, I am supposed to live in such a way that I reflect the character of God and the character of humility. Let's keep going. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many of you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Um, you know, I don't know what side of the aisle, it doesn't really matter where you're at as far as this. There was some young man that was killed. Some of you may have heard about it in Florida. And um, what I took notice of was not so much of what everybody's saying, the reason behind it, but I, I looked at the parents. And, and you could see in them that there was something that was crying out Amen. for something to be done. Amen. And I believe it's a picture of us who are believers in this sense, in that we are crying out because we want to see righteousness fill the earth. I, you know, I, I went to get my car. I, 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 are we having the car mechanics in here? 
I hope I don't offend nobody. You got one. Okay, you're a good one. Amen. Um, I just want to say that. Um, but, you know, every time I go to get my car repaired, I always feel like I need to take a shower. You know, I feel like I've just been, I always walk in there thinking to myself, man, they're just trying to get me, you know. There have been times my wife would go in the mechanic shop, I said, baby, take the car and get an oil change. And she called me up on the phone. <laughs> they said the car's about to fall apart. Everything is broken. The car's about to blow up. I said, baby, get the oil change. Because I, you know, because a lot of, lot of these people are there. You just always feel like you got to be looking over your back because you don't know who's trying to take advantage of you. But how do you know in the kingdom of God there won't be any of that? There won't be any deception and people lying. You got to check and, and make sure. Now, are you trying to rip me off or what? How do you know I hung it? When you go to car, let me tell you something. When you go get your car fixed and then you feel like you've been ripped off, boy, you really start like, Lord, please let your kingdom come. Your will be done. Because you, we, 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 are, we are the people of God and we are zealous for righteousness. It offends us to see sin in our generation. We hate it when young people, when they are victimized, when people are murdered in the street, when, when justice cannot be found. We, we are bothered wherever there's unrighteousness in the earth. Wherever it is, it bothers us as believers because we're zealous for what's right. We have a hunger and a thirst for what is right. And Jesus reminds us their righteousness is going to come. Turn with me real quick to Isaiah chapter 65. Y'all got to go quick with me this morning. But Isaiah chapter 65. I get the first amen, then I'm gone. Amen. All right, I'm gone. Look at verse number 17. For behold, I create new heaven and new earth. Now I want you to know, this would you have. Now you need to put yourself right there. If you're a believer this morning, this, this is your inheritance. This is your destiny. For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing. How many know the people of God are to be rejoicing? And her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Jump down to verse number 24. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. The lamb, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. How many know that there's coming a day and time when the whole earth will be filled with the righteousness of God? And I can't wait. You know, I, you know, I love trying to reach people, and I want to reach as many people for the kingdom of God as I possibly can. But, boy, I am looking forward to the day when this whole thing will be filled up with the righteousness of God. And that, and that everybody who is standing beside me love God like I love God. Amen. And you don't have to be looking around like, what's wrong with you? Everybody <laughs> worshiping, loving God in heaven. There'll be no spectators. Come on. There'll be no, heaven is not a spectator sport. But when we see Jesus, 
Let me tell you, if you're going to fall, you're going to worship. If you got a problem worshiping now, <laughs> you're going to worship when you see him in all that glory. But see, you can see that now if you open your eyes in the spirit. And nobody have to pump you up because you already been pumped because you had an encounter with Jesus. Watch this. Next point. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How, how many of you need mercy? You know, let, let me say this. I, this is one area in my life as a Christian that I am, I am most sensitive about. And you know why I'm most sensitive about this is because I recognize the depth of what God had to do to save me. I knew where I was, and I know where I am. Has anybody reached perfection? And, you know, it's easy for me to give mercy to people because I realize that God gave me so much mercy. I don't want there ever to be a time that I come and I ask God for mercy, that God have to remind me, but what about brother and sister so-and-so? You didn't have mercy on them. I mean, no, we're supposed to be a merciful people, that we have mercy on those who have even offended us because Jesus had mercy on us. The Bible says in Lamentations, I know that's a book that we read oftentimes. Uh, Lamentations, I know what lamentation means, sadness, gloom. Lamentation, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Every morning, God got brand new mercies stored up for me. And let me tell you something, I cash in on it all the time. I cash in on his mercy because I need it. But here's the thing. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So if you are not merciful, there we go. So you need, you need inspiration to have mercy on people. That's why we need to be forgiving. We need, we need to be, the Christians ought to be, no Christian should be walking around saying, I can't forgive you. Not one. Not one. If you got a problem with forgiveness, you have not realized the vastness of what Jesus did for you. He paid such a healthy price to save us and deliver us and give us life. And if somebody come up to me and say, brother, forgive me what I did. You know what I'm going to say? Absolutely. Even if I want to not forgive. You ever met people you don't want to forgive? <laughs> you know some people you like, uh, you got to do it. You know why you got to do it? Because he had mercy on you. And he forgave you of everything you did. And some of us, you know what you were before Jesus saved you. You know what you were doing before Jesus saved you. You knew what you were involved in before he saved you. Blessed are the merciful, but they're going to get mercy back. Be merciful to people. Be merciful to people that offend you. If you're struggling with that, ask God to help you, but show some mercy. Because God gave it to you. Watch. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart of those who have a good heart. They're not manipulative. These are people that have no ill motive. 
You ever met people that every now and then you meet them and that every time they do something, you always got to question why they're doing it? Because they're doing it for some other reason. See, a person that has a pure heart, they have a good heart. And you know the people that, um, the people that I really uh, struggle, and, and, and I, I see this all the time, but you know, you ever go to Walmart and those places and you'll see the people at the door. And I know I've heard people joke about people that are mentally delayed. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. And, and it really bothers me because a lot of those people, they are just, their heart is good. Amen. They mean well. And I hear people laugh at them. And, and you know, and, and I've seen people take advantage of people like that. Say things about them, laugh at them. But you talk to a lot of them, they're like painfully honest. They're some of the best. They'll serve you. They'll do whatever you want to do. They just got good hearts. I don't know what their relationship is with God. But there's a pureness to their soul and their heart. And that is something that all of us should have. This, just that, kind of, that kind of childlike pureness where, where, we're, not, where we're not manipulative. We're not, we're not, we don't have some agenda. David understood this in Psalm 51. David said, Lord, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Why did David say that? And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Well, David had to say that because David was operating in manipulation. You know how David manipulated? Amen. Amen. He took another man's wife, had that man put on the front line so that he could be killed, so that he could be with that man's woman. How I many know that was manipulation to the core? And David had to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. See, a clean and a pure heart. We, we have no ill motives. Why are you blessing me? Because I love you. I don't want nothing back. I just love you. That's why we don't teach. We don't teach in this sense that, okay, you just got to give to get back. Yes, you get back, but that ain't the real motive for why you give it. Your motive for giving is because of love. And, and if God decided to bless me with what I want, great. If he doesn't, I'm still good because he blessed me. How do you know if God didn't give us anything else, he gave us more than enough? Amen. If God didn't give you nothing else, <laughs> if he said, okay, that's it, I thank God that I'm a child of God. I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God that I'm going to be with him forever and that he delivered me out of a life of sin. How do you know sin is bondage? I'm happy that I'm not in bondage. The Bible says who the Son sets free is free indeed. So we need to be people that are pure in our motives. We have a pure heart. That we're honest in how we deal with people. We're honest with people. We're not manipulative. And we're not lying. We have no lies in the house. I'm decreeing that because I believe that. We are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemaker. Peacemaker is one who makes peace by reconciling others. But not only that, a peacemaker is concerned with making peace whether he, wherever he or she goes. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, whenever there's turmoil, whether it's on your job or whether it's in the church, how many know that we should be people that try to reconcile differences. Peacemaker. There's a problem, then I'm not going to be one that's going to add to the problem. I'm going to be one that's going to fix the problem. 
You know, there are some people that just love stirring up trouble. You ever met people like that? That everywhere they go, you know where they, you always know it's like, a, it's like you know, there's smoke, there's a fire. And you know, because everywhere they go, it's trouble. I got people on a job like that. It's like everywhere they show up, I hear this loud commotion. I'm like, oh, John must be over there. He got, he just stirred up some stuff. The people of God ought to be peacemakers. That we are to be reconcilers because after all, we're, listen, we're after souls, right? We're, we're trying to win people. We don't want to repel them. And so, how I many know in the church ought to be a model of this? If, 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 if Brother Jeff and DeMarcus have an issue and I know about it and you know about it and they're at odds with each other, you should be saying, Lord, help me. I'm, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do what I can to help reconcile them, to bring peace. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you a real peacemaker? Now, I know how we do. You know how we do, right? Jesus, pastor, Jesus, you know, he got a lot of arguments. Yeah, but Jesus wasn't trying to not make peace. They were coming after him. How I many of the Pharisees kept trying to send people to trap him all the time? Were they not? Every time he turned around, they were sending people to him, sending people to him, trying to trip him up, trying to trip him up, sending people to him, sending people to him. But Jesus was a peacemaker. Jesus, the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Jesus' motivation for doing what he did was what? I love you. I love you. And I come to make peace. I come to show you the way to God. Now watch this. Let me read a couple verses. Because you know sometimes we say, well, you know, we can't be at peace with everybody and we use certain scriptures to justify going off. Have anybody ever done that in the house? You know, you use certain scriptures to, to justify your behavior. Or you twist the scripture just a teeny weeny bit to make it fit in what you say. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? Let's go there. I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 12. Y'all are such a lively bunch this morning. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. Watch this. Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. Now watch this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Uh-oh. That's a sermon right there. We'll keep going, though. I'll resist the temptation to dig into the text. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another and do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. There it is again. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. So somebody do you wrong, don't repay them back wrong. How do you overcome evil? Doing good. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Watch this. Here's the, here's the verse we use. If it's possible, you know, a lot of times they say, well, you know, I tried, but it ain't, I can't have no peace. With them. Okay, let's look at this verse very, very carefully. If it is possible, as much as it depends on who? You! Live peaceably with some men. Okay, now watch. If it's possible, let me, let me ask you a question. Is it possible for you to control your temper? Is it possible? Is it possible for you to control your attitude? Is it possible for you to control your mouth? Yes. Okay then, so let's say, so as it relates to us, we can be at peace with anybody. 
Now watch this. I can't control what other people do, right? I mean, if somebody over here and they're going off, you know, that's on them. But if this whole thing, if, if the outcome of this whole situation going to turn, is dependent upon me fixing it, it's going to result in peace. Because as much, Paul says, let's read the book. Let's read it together. Y'all ready? We got it up there on the screen? You ready? One, two, three. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it depends on you, 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 you you're going to end this thing in peace. I don't like that. Yeah. Can't control some folks. That's true. But you can control you. God expects you to control you because the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-what? Control. When we're submitted to the Holy Spirit, we're under control of the Spirit. Then we will get the fruit of the Spirit. Now watch this. Let me take a step further. Turn to James chapter 3, verse 18. Y'all got real quiet on that one. I lost a couple of y'all on that one. Well, you just meditate on that and eat on that and then come back and talk to me. All right. James chapter number 3, verse 18. Watch this. I don't think you have that verse. Oh, you do. You're ahead of me. Now, the fruit of righteousness. Now, the fruit of righteousness, that's who we are as Christians. Jesus died, right? And he was like a seed planted into the ground. And the harvest of righteousness that come out. How many know that we're the harvestness? We're the harvest of God. The fruit of righteousness. Watch this. The fruit of righteousness is sown in what? By those who do what? Uh-oh. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, that's why I think that when we preach the gospel, we want to sow it in a way that is promoting peace. See, that's why I don't get in a bunch of arguments with people no more. I used to. I don't do it no more because I get mad. You know, the Bible says the righteousness of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. But when I preach the gospel and you preach the gospel, we want to preach it in a way that you come in peace. You're not coming to fight. I'm not coming to overpower you. I'm just coming to love you and tell you the truth. How do you know that the gospel in and of itself is offensive? We don't need to help it out. <laughs> we don't need to help it out. We just need to preach the gospel and make sure that when I open my mouth and share the gospel, I share it with what? Love and peace. I'm not sharing it because I'm mad. I'm sharing it because I love you. And so when I preach, when I share the gospel, I'm sowing it in peace because, because I want you to be reconciled to God. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to you. That's why I'm putting up with your stuff. <laughs> because I want to see you come to Jesus. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we don't want to push people away, right? No, you want them to come. You know, there's something God will show you. Y'all want wisdom? Let me show you some wisdom. Here it is. Sometimes, sometimes God will show you some things, and it's not meant for you to say anything about it. Amen. Just keep in mind. Something God will show you something. It's not meant for you to go back. You can't have an argument about it. You got to pick and choose your battles. Amen. And then after, now after you've been walking with the Lord, you'll discern that. There's some fights you just... The Holy Spirit, you start listening, no, I, no, I'll leave that alone. And sometimes you'd be tempted, like, oh, I can, I can, I can fix that. And, and there's a lot of time when people say things around me, and I listen, I'd be like, 
Was no other step back. I wait. I wait. Because I don't want to repel you. I want you to come to Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It's like Jesus saying that, that, that we're his. That it's like the father says to the little son, that's my boy. He says, peacemakers are the sons of God. Next. What's the next one? For those who are keeping up. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, you will be persecuted for doing what's right. This is a big challenge. Because I've said to some of you, we've had discussions, I believe that we're living in a season and time where we're going to be challenged to do what's right. But you know, the mark of a believer is this, that you do what's right no matter what everybody else is doing. Oh, it's okay for you to take a couple pencils and pen from work. Nobody cares. No, God sees everything we do. So I got to do what's right. On my job, they tell me all the time. They don't now. You ask me my opinion. Now, if you ask me my opinion, I tell you. Don't ask me my. Don't ask for my opinion if you don't want me to tell you. So if you come and you ask me, then I'll tell you. And I discover sometimes when you tell people that, they get mad at you. And and you know, and people on the job say, "We well, you know you're supposed to be talking about that. You can't be saying that. You know, you know, you get it." I'm like, "Look, I got to stand up for what's right, even if it kills me." Can I ask you a question? How far are you willing to go for Jesus? Really? You ever thought about that? How far? I mean, if the pressure hit you, and, 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 and maybe your reputation, and maybe your job, or your promotion, all of it's on the line, how far will you go? How far? Because to stand up for Jesus sometimes means that you're going to be ridiculed. To stand up for what's right is not always going to be popular. But if I'm walking with God and I'm being who he calls me to be, Jesus said, I'm blessed. He says, I'm blessed if I get persecuted for doing what's right. Now, now we ain't talking about you ain't being persecuted. Well, you know, for example... I've been persecuted. What's going on, brother? Bill collectors just won't leave me alone. They ain't persecuted. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, you the bill collectors, they're troubling me. No, no. You, you, no, just need to pay our bills. That's not persecution. That's called stewardship. A whole different story. Persecution. I mean, real persecution. But you were persecuted for doing what's right. Are you willing to do it? Do we have any rebels in the house that say, you know what, I'll stand up for what's right, even if it ain't popular. If you dislike me, if you don't want to talk to me no more, if you hate me, then I love you, but I got to do what's right because my calling is a higher calling. Amen. How do you know that's called people of integrity? Are you a person of integrity? Because there's a lot of unrighteousness around you. I can look at some of your faces. I can tell you live around unrighteousness. And the question is, are you going to fall and do what everybody else do, or are you going to buck the system and say, I ain't doing that? Can't do it. Can't, mm -mm. Can't do that. Can't do that. The last one, 
verses 11 through 12, and we're done. Blessed are you. Watch this. Blessed. Y'all know what blessed means, by the way? I don't even think I gave you a definition of blessed. Blessed means, it's a Greek word that's called makirios. It means happy. Congratulations is in order. It's God's approval of what we are and what we're doing. So when he says, blessed, that's like God is saying, good job. I approve of that. Good. He says, blessed, watch this, are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. So let's look at that now. Let's look at that. What do you say they do? He said, first of all, they, they say all kinds of, they revile you and they persecute you and they speak evil of you and they lie falsely. Jesus says, for whose sake? My sake. But look what he says in verse number 12. I like this. This ought to get you real excited. He said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How do you know it's more and more unpopular for you to say anything about Jesus? You can walk around. You can talk about God. You can talk about the trees. You can talk about anything. You can say religion. You can say Buddha. You can say Hare Krishna. You can say anything, but whatever you do, don't say Jesus. Don't say that name because it offends to me. Don't say Jesus. Well, what's your problem with Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus went around doing good to people. He was just blessing and healing people and taking care. What's the problem with Jesus? Because he's an offense to everything, to their life. Because how many know that when you have a real encounter with Jesus, you got to change. Amen. And if I ain't trying to change, don't talk to me. And boy, they get offended. We'll talk next week about, you know, we'll talk about Jesus and who he is and the way and all that. We'll really get nasty next week in a good way. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I'm just, if I can't preach it here, I ain't going to preach it out there. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I preach it anywhere. I'm just saying. But, you know, it's unpopular for you to talk about Jesus. You know, in your job, so let's be honest. We're challenged not to say anything about Jesus. They told me one time my patrol car. So whatever you do, this is why I preach this woman. And she got saved. I thought she did. And, uh, and then she went and made a complaint on me. And they told me, they said, uh, don't preach. You can't say nothing else about Jesus. I said, yeah, right. I could talk about football. I could talk about sports. I could talk about uh, uh, anything. You know, these guys talk about, I mean, these guys. I work with talk about all kinds of stuff. And, and I mean, offensive stuff. That's okay. But I can't say Jesus. I can't do that. I just looked at him. I, here's what I did. I'm sitting in the office. I kid you not. I'm sitting in the office, and they say to me, you, he told me, he suggested that you can't say that. I just looked at him like, hmm. And uh, I walked back out, and I kept preaching Jesus, just like I'm doing now. <laughs> and, and here's the problem. We clap now, but I hope you clap when the pressure hits you. Because you're living in a time now where you can't talk about Jesus much. People don't want to hear you talk about Jesus. Don't want to hear you talk about Jesus. But to us, he's life. Amen. To us, he's everything. And you can't keep this silent? Are you kidding me? The one who saved me, who delivered me, who gave me hope. Who raised me from the dead and you want me to keep silent? Can't do it. 
Well, then I'm going to just have to ostracize you and you can't eat lunch with us, okay? Well, I'm going to mess with your promotion. Do what you got to do. <laughs> Come on, brother. Hey, he preached. Chris out in here, he said, they don't promote me anyway. <laughs> Promotion don't come from the east or west, but it comes from who? Above. So I just need to do what God, listen, we, we need to be a people, you're going to be persecuted. I'm just giving you a heads up so you know. And you're going to remember this sermon. You're going to say, well, that wasn't one of Pastor Bell's most exciting sermons. You're going to remember that day. You can say, oh, yeah, that, he, he hit it right on the nail. Because when you start preaching Jesus, some people ain't going to like you. And you're trying to figure out why they don't like you. I don't like me. I'm a nice person. Because they know what you represent. They know what you're all about. They know you're about Jesus, and they don't like that. You walk into a room, and you get on their nerves because you're challenging their life. And you carry Christ in you. And remember we said last week that you walk into an atmosphere, change the atmosphere. What y'all talking about? I walk in, change the atmosphere. You don't, have to be a, you don't have to be an ordained minister like me to change your atmosphere. When you show up, people ought to be scared to talk. talk. You know, if people talk any old kind of way when you're around, then you got to ask yourself, are you secret service? Are you a secret service Christian or what? Why do people feel so free to talk around you like that? <laughs> you don't come, don't, come, don't come having a conversation with me about how you're skipping out on your wife. Don't come talk to me like that. Please come. Come talk to me about that. I will slap oil all over your face. Anoint you. Get you right. In love. <laughs> in love. It's all about love. But how I, I many you know that, that our life is supposed to be replicating what we read here about Jesus? We ought to be people. We ought to know that you're blessed for doing it God's way. You're not going to be blessed if you do it any other way. You know that, right? I don't care what the world tells you. You know, the world, the devil always trying to sell you a bill of false. He, he, the devil been doing the same thing he did at the beginning. He's always trying to distort the blessing. He's always trying to steal. You're missing out, brother. You're missing out. Some of us ought to know better. You know, the devil, the devil tipped up. I've already been there, devil. Get away from me. I've done that. It ain't, ain't nothing to it. I'm free as a bird. How many, how many say with me, I ain't going back? I ain't going back. <laughs> I back. I know what it's like to be in sin. I ain't going back. I don't want to be in bondage. I ain't going back. I like walking in righteousness. The Bible says there are pledges at his hand forevermore. It's good walking with Jesus. Amen. I mean, it is the most exciting life that we have. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you've heard this word this morning, we never want to close a service without giving everyone an opportunity to make sure that they've given their life to Jesus. The Bible says it's appointed unto men to die, then after death comes judgment. Hell is real. The Bible says that the fire will never be quenched. Jesus died so that we would never have to suffer death and hell. <clears throat> that we can live eternal life and have it with him. Those who are believers, we don't die, but we really live. 
we just graduate from one place to another. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, you could die today and spend eternity in hell. We don't want that to happen. We don't want that to happen. Jesus gave us in Matthew's gospel, in the Beatitudes, an attitude and the characteristics of the kingdom of God, the people of God. Obviously, when you look at that, you realize that it is contrary to what the world does and thinks. But it is real life. There's no reason why everybody in this room should not be born into God's family and have eternal life. If you've heard this word this morning and you know in your heart, everybody's praying, nobody's moving, nobody's talking. And you know in your heart that you're not right with God, that you haven't given your life to Jesus. Perhaps you've been able to fool some people. Perhaps you've been even coming here for a while. And you've been trying to make people think that you're right and you know in your heart you're not right. Whatever the case might be. But maybe today you heard and you know that you're not right with Jesus and he's been coming after you. If that's you, slip your hand up. Let's give our life to him today. We don't want to play church. Is there one? Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist him. He loves you too much. This is, this is about your life. This is not about, this is not games. This is for real. Hell and death are for real. If you don't know Jesus, slip your hand up. Receive him today. He, he loves you so much. He, he just wants to give you the most incredible life. Is there one? Is there one? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray this morning or this afternoon, wherever, whatever time it is, that Father, some of us, Lord, have not live according to what you said that we, are, we should live. We haven't been a peacemaker. In fact, Lord God, we haven't been pure at heart at times. We've been manipulative. In fact, Lord, there's sometimes, Lord God, we just act, acted totally outside of the character of who you made us to be. Father, forgive us. If that's you, just with a silent prayer to God, just, just pray and ask God to forgive you. Whatever he speaks to you about, just give it to him right now. Right where you're in your seat, just pray. He can forgive you right where you are. He will cleanse you. Just tell him you're sorry and get right back on track. Lord, give us the courage to walk right. Give us the courage to do what is right even when nobody else is doing it. And God, help us to do what's right when nobody else is looking. Help us to honor you with a life of purity at all times. Father, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to your feet, if you will.